Welcome to the Dr. April Jasper Show, relevant conversations for business owners of today. If you suffer from dry, scratchy, irritated eyes, the problem may actually stem from your eyelids. Cleansing eyelids daily is essential for maintaining healthy eyes, which is why doctors recommend OcuSoft Lid Scrub Allergy Eyelid Cleanser. New OcuSoft Lid Scrub Allergy removes oil, pollen, and other contaminants from your eyelids to effectively reduce redness, irritation, and itching caused by seasonal allergies. These pre-moistened wipes are easy to use, on the go, or at home. Simply wipe and leave on. As the industry standard of care, OcuSoft has a full line of eyelid cleansers for various conditions. Available through eye care professionals, most retail outlets, and Amazon.com. Visit OcuSoft.com for more details. Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to be here with Dr. Andrew Lee. And I, you called yourself Andy earlier, right? Yeah, I go by Andy. Okay, so I'll try to behave myself and do that. It's kind of hard because he's such a, an awesome speaker and uh, neuro-ophthalmologist. But I'm here at Optometric Management Symposium where he just taught us a class on ptosis. But he and I had a chance to talk before then about a lot of other stuff. So before we get into that, though, I want you, Andy, to tell us a little bit about you your history, how you got to where you are today. Go ahead. So I'm a neuro-ophthalmologist, and uh, that means I do neurologic disorders and systemic disorders where it shows up in the eye. And the way I got to neuro-ophthalmology was I had a mentor. And my mentor was a neuro-ophthalmologist, and our resident was also interested in neuro-ophthalmology. And so two very important people in my life served as mentors to me and encouraged me, and I just fell in love with neuro-op, and I knew I wanted to do it from the very first day. But that's not all you do. So you take care of patients. You have a lot of other things you're doing. Let's jump into the space program. Yeah, so NASA is interested in a condition that's extraterrestrial. It has no terrestrial equivalent. It's called spaceflight-associated neuroocular syndrome. And it's a disease of microgravity. So the space station is in a free fall in low Earth orbit. And that means our astronauts, as well as the Europeans and the Russians, are subjected to a microgravity environment. And what wow. happens is, because there's no G, no gravity, the fluid gets stuck in their orbit and their head and produces neuroophthalmic findings, including optic disc edema, choroidal folds, and a hyperopic shift. So this condition is called SANS, and that's one of the things I'm studying. So when did we first know that this happened? It's a condition of long-duration space flight, so we didn't see it in the Apollo program or in short-duration flights. It's, a, it's really only after the International Space Station that we started seeing SANS. And you said it's extraterrestrial, right? Did I say that right? That's correct. <laughs> it's, it's literally the ET disease. It has no terrestrial component because there's gravity here, and it's the lack of gravity that causes SANS. But is there anything from your research and your study that we can then take to Earth? Yes. So a lot of different things are happening to have terrestrial applications for what we do. As you know, NASA, the research and development dollars that go into NASA, if you put $1 into NASA, $7 of R&D come out. And a lot wow. of things that you are using and just take for granted, like the mouse on your computer and uh, microchips, these all had applications in the space program because space is a premium in space. And one of the things we're trying to develop is uh, something to go with the astronauts on our crewed mission to Mars because you can't send an ophthalmologist with them. And there's about an eight-minute delay in the signal from Mars back to Earth. And so 
whatever data we're capturing has to be captured in real time with a lightweight and wearable device. So we're trying to develop goggle-based technology that can measure astronauts' eyes in space, in Mars, in route, and on the way home, and transmit that data back to Earth. And eventually that technology will find terrestrial application because the same kind of data collection can be done with goggles here on Earth. Oh my goodness. All right, so is there anything you can tell us about that has already been done that in your research that they're utilizing today, or is it all super secret? It's not super secret, but um, there, and we're not the only ones working on it, of sure. course, but goggle-based technologies to have artificial intelligence and machine oh. learning and data collection is the future. I would envision a time where ophthalmologists and optometrists don't actually have to collect data anymore. Ooh. So instead of spending our time looking in people's eyes and refracting them and checking their pupil, the machines would do it for us and would provide decision support and we could spend our time thinking about problems instead of collecting data. I love that you're saying this because I think there are some people out there that wonder why we spend so much time and money on space program. You just kind of helped us through that. Anything more you'd like to comment on there? For sure. It's deeply ingrained in the human spirit to explore. And so from a philosophical standpoint, exploration is in our DNA. But search for extraterrestrial home is not that far-fetched, especially because we really don't have a plan B on this planet for things that could be catastrophic. And exploring the universe has uh, downstream spin-offs for technology and yeah. for science itself, but also just in case we need a new home. We are excited to have Cooper Vision as a sponsor of our podcast. Cooper Vision is one of the world's leading contact lens manufacturers, and they serve eye care professionals and patients in over 130 countries. Their innovative products help millions of patients see every single day. One of the technologies and innovations that we love the most about Cooper Vision is their groundbreaking technology in soft contact lenses that helps to slow the progression of myopia in children 8 to 12 years old at the initiation of treatment. So when you look at the space program and the time spent there, and I want to talk to you about time management because I learned, so I had, I, I mean, come on, look at this. this the, the facts are crazy, amazing. You've written over 500 peer-reviewed publications, 14 textbooks. Yes. And uh, you speak, you've spoken over 300 national, international medical meetings, and I think you told me you speak at at least 25 a year. Yes. And you practice medicine, and you work for the space program. So how do you do it all? So I have what I would say is good time management skills, but I also divide my time into four, um, a two by two matrix of important, but not urgent, urgent, but not important. And you can see the other combinations there. So for yeah. the most important box, which is not urgent, but important, I work on that box for three hours a day. And if you do that, then that box, the not urgent, but it's important, won't spill over and become urgent and important. For some things, it's not important, but it's urgent. I just position those immediately. So that takes me about a second to say yes or nice or okay or proceed. And if you do that, then that box won't fill up either. Yep. And for things that are not urgent, 
but they're important. You really should be spending your time on that box a lot. And things that are not important and not urgent, I use that as a reward for myself, but only after completing the other boxes. So in my two by two world, I prioritize my time. And I think one of the most important things that I do is urgent, but not important still is urgent. And that means other people are waiting for you to say yes or no to something. And even though to you, that's not an important thing to them, they will not continue the project until you say proceed or yes or okay. And that really only took one second of your time. And if you don't do it that way, the box will fill up. And so for me, I always empty my inbox three times a day, in the morning, at night, and then right before I go to bed, I go to bed with zero. All right, but you you get up early. So we had this conversation because our listeners know I'm a little bit like this, only you're way much better. Let's say that differently. I'm a little like this. I love time management, but you've done a much better job. And there's actually a name for the matrix, right? The Eisenhower matrix, dividing it into urgent, important, urgent, not important, not important, not urgent. That's the reward box. And important, but not urgent. And the, the most important box is keeping that not urgent, but important box from becoming urgent. urgent. I love it. All right. So what time do you get up in the morning? So I normally get up between 3 and 3.30 in the morning. And that's how I'm able to keep control of my inbox because there's no kids and there's no wife at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> and I clear out my inbox. And what has happened is the, the, the emails accumulated when people were awake. But they are doing those between when I go to bed, which is 8.30 and 3.30 in the morning. And their productivity between 8.30 and midnight is not that great. So they are, they are very distractible usually. They're like watching television shows. They're doom scrolling or whatever they're doing. <laughs> and it's very hard to be productive at night. And so I use that time to answer emails where the unproductive people have written to me. And then I go to work. And so I have an eight-hour day half-day clinic in the afternoon I have another eight-hour day but really what I get is I get two eight-hour shifts 16-hour day and most people only have one hour eight-hour shift and so you can't make more than 24 hours but I use my 24 two-thirds for work oh my gosh I love it all right what about the weekend on the weekend I use my eight hours for play (laughs) so I firmly believe that work hard and play hard is important and we're here at Disney World, of course, and yeah. Walt believed that completely. He believed that imagination, engineering, innovation, all were one thing. He, yeah. he, he, his goal was to entertain, but the innovations produced by Walt Disney here found application in the real world. And so a lot of things that we just take for granted started yeah. as entertainment with Walt Disney. And that, to me, is the answer to your other question, why explore? Walt would say it's it's our job to yeah. explore, imagine, innovate. And that's really one of the best parts of being here in Orlando with you. Do you ever get discouraged? So along this journey, you kind of walked us through a little bit of your journey. Have there been any uh, downturns, uh, disappointments, things that discouraged you and tried to trip you up and keep you from being where you are, who you are today? Yeah, those brick walls are everyday challenges for everybody. But to me, the brick walls are to keep the other people out. Ah. Failure, as NASA would say, is not an option. But failure is not really a failure. Failure is an opportunity. And again, Walt knew that better than anyone. Any failure that they experienced was just an opportunity to innovate and improve. It always taught them something new. And I, I believe that. So I have my fair share of disappointment, but I don't let those disappointments disappoint me. I let them encourage me. 
and I believe that you have to fail in order to succeed. Anyone who says they've never failed hasn't really done anything. Yep. I love it. All right. So I told Dr. Lee, I warned him ahead of time that this was going to happen. I love listening to you speak, but there are a lot of people out there that want to have that ability and don't know how to get better. Were you just always this good at public speaking? Or did you learn? And how did you learn? Tell them what they can do, because there's a lot of folks that want to do more. And I will tell you what I think your secret is when you're done. Well, the joke is, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. (laughs) And that is public speaking. Yeah. A lot of Walt Disney's persona was he made that himself. In in his private world, Walt was very shy and introverted. And he was not at all like the Walt Disney that you see on television. Wow. And he just made himself that. And I think that that's probably what I am, too. I am still a little four foot ten high school senior who needed to have humor and public speaking ability to survive. And now I use it to thrive. Well, I will tell you, I think one of the things that really and I don't think it, I know it. I know what makes you great, though, is that you have a heart. Like every time you do a closing, I have to wipe my face because you just made me cry. And uh, it's incredible. So thank you for that. But you must know that's what makes all of us relate to you and love you is that you care so much. I think Walt Disney would say the same thing about his business. True. Any closing comments, Dr. Lee? No, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromicel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and micromicel technology. 